Hi there, and welcome to my podcast where I invite you to run with me after memories and shape them into stories. On this show, I'll also share samples of my writing and interesting moments from everyday life. I'm your host, Ruru Sig, and today you're listening to my first podcast, The Story Chaser. Okay, episode six. Thanks for hanging in there, loyal listeners. My stomach is rumbling a little bit. I'm uh, kind of growling, kind of hungry. So I, there it goes just now. I wonder if you're going to pick up on that in the recording. Not much I can do except eat, but I really wanted to get this rolling before I do that. So uh, I apologize ahead of time. So this is a writer's episode. This is for the writers. And tonight I'm talking about perspective. And I think about perspective and storytelling like this. If you told a little kid to go around the barbecue and shoot photos, if you gave him the phone, a camera in my day and age, but if a phone said, go around and, you know, shoot these and bring them back to me, what would be returned to you is images of really tall people, even people that aren't actually tall, according to traditional standards. But to those, that kid, through those eyes, everybody's huge, right? So it's a perspective. And I think about that uh, when I think about my writing. So I tend to embellish or tell things the way that I saw them, okay? And I'm, I'm only, I'm only um, explaining that now because the following piece that I'm going to share, there may be family members, even the one that it's about, that's not how it went, but it is. That's how it went in my memories. And that's how writing works. You know, it's what I remember. It's how I saw things and how I feel them. And I feel really strongly about the piece that I'm going to share tonight. Although it is a rough, I'm just warning you, it's not, I did not clean it up. I did not edit it. Uh, I do plan to have a more elaborate version in my future book, but um, I'm breaking a huge rule here, okay? As writers, we're not supposed to share until something is at least clean. Whatever. Tonight, I'm talking about a person who shed light on things about myself. I guess you could say he sort of introduced me to me. And that person is my brother, Tom, a very cool dude, bro. The following piece is a chunk from my work in progress titled My Retired Childhood. One day, I was homesick from school, and I called out for Dad to accompany me in the bathroom as I felt nauseous. He got up too quickly from his chair to rush to me, and he hit the doorway of the bathroom with a blank stare as he slowly leaned and just fell backward in our hallway. He never lost consciousness, but it was terrifying. And all the emergency training in school, on TV commercials, everywhere about dialing 911 fell deaf on my ears. Maybe because he continued talking to me, or maybe because I didn't want to believe I was alone with him in an emergency situation. Instead, I ran to the bedroom and got three pillows and propped his head up on them. I'm okay. I'm okay. I I think I'm okay. I just need to catch my breath, he was telling me. 
Right then the phone rang and I ran to it. And I thought, oh, thank God, someone else will be in this scary moment with me. I didn't care who was on the other end of that line. Even a telemarketer was about to share my fear. When I answered, the voice on the other end sounded almost like it was echoed through a styrofoam cup. Hey, it's your brother Tom, checking in from Alaska. How's it going over there? It must serve as such a traumatic moment for him when I remember it now. Because I said, Tom, Dad fell. He's laying in the hallway by the bathroom. I put pillows under his head. He's awake and talking. His voice cracked a little. Oh my God, are you kidding me? Okay, hang up. I'm going to make some calls and get you some help. I don't know the time frame following. It was probably minutes before my sister Mary and her husband Jerry burst through that front door. Mary went directly to Dad, still halfway propped up on those pillows, and began assessing the situation, asking him questions. I decided to tune it all out, and I went right to the dining room table and opened the paper to the comic section, finding solace in Calvin and Hobbes. Jerry, attempting a calm tone, which I heard but pretended not to. Are you okay? This was a pretty scary thing. Do you want to talk about it? I never answered him. I just kept staring at the sketches. I did feel their energy, though, and looks exchanged to one another said that it was time for our home life to include some additional help. Perhaps this stay-at-home dad thing was becoming too much for dad as his health was fading. The jig was up, and the two of us couldn't hold down the fort alone anymore. Mary got Dad to his feet and stayed the rest of the day to make sure he was okay enough. All of my siblings visited a lot, but it seemed after the incident where Dad lost ground below himself, their visits became more frequent. I suddenly had many parents, and it was the pits for a teenager, but looking back, they were just trying to guide me away from a spiral going in the wrong direction. I was 13, my face was starting to look weird, my eyebrows found each other in the middle, and the life that I knew and grew comfortable in had changed. My siblings took on more authoritative roles with me popping in shifts. They shut off the TV while I was watching. Hey, it's 1 a.m. You should be in bed. Grr, no, I should be finishing my bowl of ice cream and enjoying this program. Hey, Sully from two blocks over saw you smoking at the park. You better cut that shit out. Dang, they even had feelers out in the world watching. I felt under surveillance. And that makes me laugh now because it's very over-dramatized. At the peak of my angst and annoyance of the monitoring from my siblings, a hero rode into town. But he wasn't on a white horse. No, he putt-putted up to our curb in a gray car that was the length of a T-Rex and patterned in rust from the undercarriage to the doors. That car exploded a bang, clatter, and boom with the engine shutting off. The driver got out and flashed a profile of overgrown, deep, dark, curly hair before swinging a leather coat retrieved from the back seat over his shoulder. He faced the houses across the street and stretched his arms above his head. I watched through the window wearing a smirk, 
holding back my joy till I had the certainty of who this was. He turned around, head tilted down, and placed his palms flat across the hood of that monster's car in a stretch of surrender. Slowly lifting his head, he, expo- he exposed a five o'clock shadow, grown during a long drive, a marble red dangling from his bottom lip. Our eyes met, and he offered me a quick, reassuring tip up of his chin, the confirming nod and a smirk to match mine. I turned my head back and shouted through the house, Tom is home! Tom is home! I could feel his light across the lawn and through the glass. It was the light of change, the ray of refreshing excitement that he always exuded. My parents hurried through the living room equally surprised. My brother had come home. True to his outrageous nature, he landed out of nowhere with the dust of everywhere a cloud behind him. My brother Tom is cut from a unique cloth. He's the leather coat in a line of suits. While others around him followed a path from A to B to C, Tom jumped from A to Z to L to M to X. I'll try anything once, he has said to me with a quick nod of his head upward, expressing a confidence in the unknown. He traveled the world as a young guy with not much more than a hunch and a prayer in his pocket. His defiance to conform is refreshing to observe, but make no mistake, never easy to pull off. Basically, not for the weak-willed. His resourceful abilities would be challenged so many times, whether that be in an argument with an old lady in the streets of Sicily, or trying to explain himself to us, his family. Hey, I need to borrow a clean shirt. All my clothes were stolen out of my car, and I gotta be an extra in a film in about an hour. Would be one example. Leaving all of us with, what? Huh? Why were all your clothes in your car, and where have you been for weeks? As a small child, I have a few memories of him peeking his head into my bedroom. You up? You want a White Castle? I then, his co-pilot in line getting 2 a.m. cheeseburgers to the beat of Led Zeppelin for the hungry clan of teen siblings waiting back home for us. It was awesome. His idea of babysitting me was tossing a copy of Calvin and Hobbes my way. And it was a success. I fell deep into those pages while he, well... Went off and did whatever he wanted, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I never looked up. He once came home with a saxophone and told us to leave him alone while he taught himself to play it in the basement. His wit is untouchable and his talent for storytelling, well, I wouldn't even attempt. He's a very close second to my dad in that way. I think that has everything to do with how he's always placed himself in unusual circumstances and reads about anything he can get his hands on. Some things in life worked out for him and some things didn't, but I'm pretty sure the guy has no regrets about any adventures he went on. About nine months before the day he came home, he announced that he would be traveling to Alaska to help a friend open a restaurant. My mother was concerned, naturally, as anyone would be, and had a bunch of questions, but he honored all of his escapades and he did not allow for concerns, worries, or judgment to ever stand in his way. After Alaska, instead of finding another temporary apartment, he set up camp in our basement, surrounded by our abandoned toys, sporting gear, and clothing hanging from the overhead pipes, a makeshift bedroom for himself. I often found him face down in a book, his Chuck Taylors crisscrossed towards the end of his bed, late in the evenings while getting my school uniform off a hanger, 
and he'd share random wisdom like, Hey, you ever want to learn about life? You will read Salinger. I would soon cherish titles like Franny and Zoe or Catcher in the Rye and wonder, how did Tom know I would love this before I even knew? He grew into the role of a caretaker. He took a hiatus from being an adventurer and learned about Dad's daily medicines. His knowledge from the restaurant turned him into a kitchen organizer with no mercy. And the relationship between himself and Dad was so radical to me, he spoke right out and said, Dad, I have told you many times I will not be speaking until I've had five minutes of quiet time in the morning. And my dad would abide by this. This guy, I gotta wait five minutes. Ah. And Tom continued to blankly stare at nothing through the steam of his coffee. He blew my mind. He was way ahead of the meditation craze we all know now. He would do odd jobs here and there for quick cash, and instead of socking it away, he would walk through the door with bags of groceries and prepare things for us that we would never think of on our own. Okay, now the dish of warm butter for your afternoon lobster. He brought bits of his life lived out there home to us. Eventually, he traded out his dinosaur monster car and showed up in a convertible, a soft cream-colored Fiat, with no explanation. And some of my fondest memories of being 13 were our afternoon drives in that car on summer days while Dad napped. He introduced me to some of the most important people of my life, and we met loudly. The Violent Femmes, Roy Orbison, Stevie Ray Vaughan, and so many more. And over their music, he would share bits of his own nostalgia with me. Have I ever told you about the Northern Lights? They were the coolest things I've ever seen, Colors jumping from the ground to the sky. You gotta see him sometime. The road ahead of us seeming endless. I could listen all day. His approach to guiding me in the right direction was to show me the windy, curving roads on the outside. We stayed up late together watching films like Casablanca and discussed his theories on how colorizing films destroyed the imagination of shadowing. He opened my mind to ideas that weren't taught in school. He didn't encourage bad behavior, but he introduced me to free thinking. Don't sweat the small stuff, kid. Don't waste your life worrying. I, like Tom, didn't see my life as this straight and narrow road as my peers did. I truly believe that if I didn't have that time one-on-one with him, I wouldn't have the self-assurance of who I am today. He told me I could do anything ever, and I should never let anyone stop me from a dream. I felt the most free in that time when Tom came home. And I know his intention was to help take care of Dad, and he fulfilled that duty. But it also shaped a confidence in the 13-year-old me, who could have had a lonely time feeling different than everyone else for so many reasons. Instead, I had afternoons with the wind through my hair and the wisdom of my traveling brother who came home to remind me, keep focused on the dreams ahead. So like I said, the piece needs some cleaning up, and of course there's so much more to it, but it's important enough to share tonight because I think that we all have this moral responsibility to look after the young people 
obviously, as we age more. I feel that way. You know, you just, you would never know the impression you're making on someone by just living freely in front of them. Show young people your mistakes. Show them your cuts and bruises. Tell them about the bad times and the good times. Let them know that both are equally important to make up who you are. I'm a living example of that because all of my siblings are amazing. And I decided tonight to highlight Tom and that time because it was such a crucial time in my life. Just turning 13, questionable, impressionable, and like I said, he rode in with the wind and he brought all the answers that I needed. And that's, that's an answered prayer, you know. I'm not sure how Tom looks back on those years that he came home to stay with us. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm probably going to get a phone call as soon as this episode launches. And we'll talk about it. Um, And I hope more than anything that my perspective on this time has touched him and that he knows that he made a huge difference in a young person's life and was instrumental to the development of the adult that she is now. So thanks for that, Tom. Folks, if you have any questions or comments about episodes that you've heard here on the Story Chaser, please feel free to email me at R-O-O-R-O-O-S-I-G at gmail.com or give the Story Chaser a call at 312-857-4625. I'd love to hear what you have to say. Well, this is as good a place as any to end this episode. My name is Ruru Sig. And I thank you for listening to The Story Chaser. Remember, there are stories everywhere. The key is to focus in on the little memories to find the bigger moments. My promise to you is that I'll keep chasing those stories. Be well, folks, and go ahead. Have a wonderful life.